perfect is impossible. So let's strive for better and betterer. Tune in for inspiration and many challenges across the eight dimensions of wellness, emotional, physical, intellectual, spiritual, vocational, financial, environmental, and social. We make wellness fun and attainable so that you can feel awesome and do awesome. And now your host, Jessica Jake. Hi, this is Jessica Jake, and I'm here today with Jen Polite, New York City psychotherapist. Welcome, Jen. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I've been loving your posts on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Her handle is at Jen Polite for all of you listeners out there. Follow for self-care inspiration. What I like, Jen, is that your posts are more unique. So follow at J-E-N Polite. And why don't we start by talking about the importance of self-care? Sure. So honestly, the way that I see it, like self-care is foundational. You know, that whole like put your mask on first thing that they tell you on airplanes, like it's it's true, like it's for a reason. You're kind of no good to anybody if you're not if you're not good to yourself, you know, people think it's optional and it's really not. Um, like if you care for others at home or if you are in any kind of line of work where others depend on you in any way, I look at it as it's irresponsible to disregard your self-care. Um, you know, it's and, and self-care is not, it's not your hair, it's not your nails and it's not your beauty routine. Um, you know, although self-grooming is part of it, you know, by no means is it the totality of, of, of what it is when I refer to, um, you know, self-care. You know, it's, it's, you know, are you checking in? Are you telling yourself you're okay when you're not? You know, are you saying I got this when you don't got it? <laughs> are you not asking for help when you're, when you feel like you're out of your depth? You know, are you, are you setting boundaries? Are you saying no? So to me, all of those things um, fall under self-care, you know, basic falls of some care, self-care, you know, are certainly eating, sleeping and, and grooming. And, you know, those are one of the first things to go when we start feeling low. Um, and there's a, there's, there is a neurological reason for that. You know, the, the air is responsible for your executive functioning, like, you know, uh, judgment and, and reasoning um, are in the frontal lobes and dysfunction in that area is what's associated with severe depression. So when you don't feel great, it's much more challenging to carry out just basic daily function. So if you start noticing your self-care um, is kind of getting lower and lower on your list and you think that that's okay, it's, it's actually more of a flag that you should pay attention to because it definitely has the potential to grow into something more serious. So, you know, we live in a society that, you know, we have the privilege to think about um, and to prioritize our mental health and, and self-care and so many of us just really don't. Yeah, yeah, I see that a lot. And it makes sense that if you take care of yourself, you're going to show up better for yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eat better, sleep better, group, like all that stuff you just talked about and show up better for all the people that you care about in the world. And so, yeah, that's excellent, excellent advice. Um, so you do a lot of work with mental health um, as that aspect of self-care. What are your thoughts on normalizing mental health in the same way we do for physical health? Oh, man. I mean, so many of us disregard mental health because I think it's easy to because it's not as tangible as your physical. You know, you can't see it. We definitely have the tendency to think of ourselves in kind of compartmentalized ways, meaning like we think that our emotions and our physical self and our thoughts are all distinct, separate entities that have nothing to do with each other. When in fact, it's the complete opposite. You know, how you feel, how you think and what you do are all interconnected. And when there is a disconnect with one, you start to see the negative traits or negative physical reactions in the others. So if you think dealing with things in the present or in the past that may be difficult to discuss or that like conjure up feelings that you don't want to feel, what happens is because you're ignoring it in one area, it's going to manifest itself in, in another area. So in the way that you act, in the way that you present yourself, in the way that you think, just like you were saying just now. So you know, you may find yourself like snapping at people or shutting down at the slightest like sign of a disagreement or if you think that getting sick every season is normal or, um, you know, maybe you're experiencing chronic neck and shoulder pain or like any other like myriad of, of things um, that you're noticing. The point is like similarly to a physical injury, if you don't handle it, it gets worse. So not only does it get worse, but you get worse. And then we tell ourselves that it's just who we are when honestly it's not. You literally, you're the person you choose to be. The rules that you abide by in your life are definitely set by you. So for so many of us, we just don't bother to notice what rules we're kind of following. Um, and as we get older, we don't, we don't pause to kind of identify how to revise those rules as we want to change as we want to develop. We definitely get stuck in the whole, like, this is just who I am mentality. And 
certainly like it's, it's definitely easier said than done. I get it. You know, when folks are like, well, how do I, how do I prioritize my mental health? You know, that's when you seek help. Like when you don't know something that you want to know, you dedicate the time to learn it. When it comes to ourselves, we just, we really don't take the time to do that. So to get back to your question, like we, we have to talk about it. Normalizing mental health care is, is getting to the point where you tell people you're going to a therapy appointment in the same way that you're proud to tell people that you're going to the gym. Or I'm going to go to the doctor to get my knee checked out because it's bothering me. It's the same thing. So kind of normalizing it um, and talking about it. You know, we're in a society that definitely glorifies being busy um, and only getting three to four hours of sleep and being on the grind and all that stuff. And listen, like I'm all for the grind, but let's do it responsibly. Um, Anyway, you can tell by my rant that I'm passionate about it. I just wish we could all like stop the madness and just uh, kind of stop sacrificing our mental health for the sake of like upholding some like ill-advised, unrealistic ideal of like what defines like a capable individual. So really talking about it, um, I think would start normalizing it for all of us. Yeah. I like that you said that you like the grind, but we have to be responsible about it because I think that's where I see the ball being dropped a lot because then if you're not getting enough sleep, you're just going to screw it up (laughs) for everybody, right? Like, so, so that core self-care has to be there, even if you're bouncing out a grind with your health, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. So it sounds like we have to normalize this within ourselves and reflect on what's going on. I have a question about the rules that you were saying, like the the rules that we make. Do you have an example of a rule, maybe ones that you see people commonly having or how that might they might want to shift those or sure so it's honestly it's it's anything so what I, I what I hear from my patients often is just like well this is just who I am and this is just how I am and I'm like no it's like this is who you are based on the decisions and the choices that you've made so far and those were choices um, so we just we get into this um, into this space where we think that you know change is too hard or can't happen because we only know who we are in the present tense when obviously who we are in the present tense is just accumulation of what we've done in the past and who we've been in the past. So when I say rules, I'm referring to, I'm referring to the things that people tell themselves, you know, oh, I can't, I can't lose weight or, you know, it's really, it's too hard to eat. Right. Or, you know, I just, I can't talk about my feelings or, you know, I really just can't talk about that thing that happened when I was younger or, you know, I really, I'm really not, you know, I'm really not all that qualified for the promotion. Like just these rules, these, these mm-hmm. things that we tell ourselves that it's just like, who, who is making that up? You are like, you quite literally are making it up. <laughs> That's right. And if you don't know you're making it up, then exactly. you're just going to abide by something that you didn't even decide on. So I, I guess that's exactly what I mean by rules. You don't right. even know that you're doing it and you're just accepting it as fact. And it's mind blowing the things that some people are, have been telling themselves and, and believing as fact and not challenging. Yeah. Like we've been working with a coach for sales and she told us a belief is a thought you think is true or something like that. So it sounds yeah. like something like that with the rules where it just seems like an obvious truth to you, but yeah. if you take a step back. It, you might be like, Hey, wait, I want to take, I want a different role. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. So what are some self-care tips that we could try out for ourselves when it comes to mental health? Honestly, like really simple things. Like, for example, like if work is a stressful environment um, and you're at home and there's a potential that if you look at your work email, it's going to stress you out, then don't look at your work email after a certain time when you're home. That is self-care. And, and if you're not disciplined enough to, to do that, you're like, no, I, I've got to look at the email because, you know, you know, things could be happening, then go a step further and like move that email app out of the first screen so that you're not like accosted by like the 12 unread emails um, that, that are in your, in your inbox when you first look at your phone to check something else. So the point is essentially like do things that help you help you, you know, like if you're trying to not, if you're trying to drink less alcohol, like don't sit at the bar, right? Like if you're having a hard time motivating yourself to do yoga in the morning, for example, like set the mat up the night before, if you're trying to drink more water, have a larger bottle at your desk that you refill every morning and that you commit to finishing it before you leave for the day, do things that help you help you. I'm a big proponent of your environment, like your environment matters, you know, where you live, where you spend your time matters. So take the time to like, make your space aesthetically pleasing to you by cleaning it up or having things around that bring you joy when you see it. 
um, you know, things that things like that are all things that impact your overall well-being. Um, another easy one is, you know, do something in the morning and before bed um, that's rooted in self-care. Whether it's reading in the morning, for me, I, 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 I try to read in the morning and I try to do yoga. Um, and I also um, have, a, you know, a book that's not um, a, a non intense book um, near my bed that I try to read before bed. So, you know, whatever it is for you, as long as it's not social media, <laughs> um, just, you know, the easiest way to kind of start incorporating, I, I think that's one of the easiest ways to start incorporating like self self care, like do something in the morning, right before you, right after you wake up and right before bed, that is rooted in your self care and make that a habit. You know, maybe it's something to be as simple as, you know, I'm going to get up 30 minutes early so I can enjoy my cup of coffee in peace before the kids get up. Um, I'm going to make sure that before bed, I'm going to implement, you know, a facial routine because I've been breaking out for stress and I kind of want to do that for myself. Whatever. It can be anything um, that, that requires you to take a moment for yourself to reflect. And I'm hard pressed to believe that people don't have 10 minutes before bed or 10 minutes the second they get up in the morning to, to sneak in some time for themselves on a daily basis. I think that's great advice. And it, it sounds similar to what I've done for myself because what I noticed I didn't like about my life at certain times was feeling rushed in the mm. and have to do this, have to do that, have to do that. So I was the same way. It was the same way. I got up, <laughs> got up earlier so I could have what I call the lovely morning and yeah. it could incorporate some of the things you mentioned like yoga. But for anyone, you could pick what your lovely is or what your beast morning is, whatever you want to call it. And and then own that. So um, it doesn't have to be doing yoga if that doesn't sound like. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's made a huge difference because I factored in cuddle time with the dogs because they're so adorable. <laughs> I love that. Running off away from them, but I actually have time for, to give them their belly rubs and it's beautiful for all involved. So, And, and how much different is it to get up and not start your morning rushed? Like right. the tone that that sets mm -hmm. for you is a game changer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that's a great one. That's one I, I definitely had to learn um, quite a few years ago when it's just like, yeah, you know, like I just pref I'm a I'm a morning person. I'm not a night person, and make it work for you. So if it's getting up earlier, great. If it's staying up later, whatever it is. But yeah, I think what you just said, little changes like that. Um, people think they have to like overhaul their lives, and she's like, no, no, no. Like we're not asking you to like add more things to your plate. We're saying like. Let's think about it and let's think about what makes sense for you and let's start, you know, doing it. And if it's, it doesn't mean that like when you start doing it, if you stay in bed, you fail, you know, two days in a row, it doesn't mean you can't try again the third day. Like that's how habits work. Like just keep at it until it's something that you recognize that it does bring you joy and it does add value to your life. And then, then it'll stick. Yeah. I, I have a, a lemon sugar cookie candle that just smells absolutely delicious to me. Yeah. So I like to wake up and light that candle and then I proceed to do yoga, but something like that, that just has like this ooh factor to it. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't take a lot out of you. Um, there's an Alexa app that I know you say like, don't do social media, but there's one that's Alexa start my morning. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. And she starts to teach us minute one is like a meditation or reflection. And then um, it, she even does, she, she picks out affirmations for you to say back like you mean it. It's really cute. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So like whatever's up, up, I guess whatever's up your alley that's in the spirit of self-care, um, there's a lot out there. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah no, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm certainly not anti-technology because there's so many great apps um, that help us kind of navigate our day. So I'm not anti-technology. I'm just heavily anti-social media and what it's doing to our psyches. Um, Okay. And the, you know, the problems that, you know, it's causing in some of our relationships. So for me, it's just kind of just staying off of social media. Like the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do before you go to bed cannot be checking the status of, you know, other people, you know, friends or exes or whatever. Like that just cannot be the headspace that you, you start the day in. Do you think boundaries, um, so for me, I've, I found like I kind of siloed what I use each social media for. So my mm -hmm. personal um, Instagram it's pretty much all dogs. I'm posting dogs. <laughs> I'm following dogs. I'm not even following my, my family listens to this, but I'm not even following some of my family members. Like I just want to see dogs when I go to Instagram as my personal one. Right. And then yeah. I'm, I'm a happy place. Facebook, <laughs> I like that original tagline they had like for family and friends. So anything well, that was just 
oh, I, I don't do business on Facebook in my personal Facebook. I don't get into politics. It's just what what's going on with family and friends and kind of containing it. So mm-hmm. then they're more, more sane for me I, it, when I go in there. So I'm not like seeing something get, that gets me heated or upset. Mm-hmm. Or that. Mm-hmm. So in saying that, like what it does to people, is it because people are are kind of letting too much into their their media like what what makes it so upsetting um like to go on there for them that makes it be like don't even don't even go there in the morning because it's it's not a good place to go yeah because what what i'm what i've seen in, in my practice is with some of my clients is that social media becomes this measuring stick which is insane because no one is you know so few people are putting their honest selves on social media unpolished and and, and without flaws. So people are measuring themselves in terms of the lives that other people appear to be living and the lives that they themselves are not living. Um, whether it's friends, you know, from, from high school or college or whether it's whatever it may be, but people are definitely, it's definitely creating social media as, as, as I have seen it with my clients is it's breeding a level of insecurity. And then that's one aspect of it. I've also seen it be a problem in relationships with couples, new couples or established couples. Why did you comment on this person's page? That seemed flirtatious. Or why is your relationship status, you know, not, um, why did you remove it from single and just erase it as opposed to put in a relationship? Like all of these little ridiculous kind of things that really, when you think about it, it's just like, did you really need that argument? Did you really need that, that kind of like poke to your, to your self-esteem? Um, so that's what I am seeing, um, social media is doing to people, which is like, you know what, pick your poison. If you want to, you know, look through that during the day, that's fine. But I'm asking you to not, not have that be the first thing you do in the morning and not, not have it be the last thing you do at night. Yeah, no, that sounds like excellent advice. Cool. Yeah. So I, I, um, I think that's super interesting because I, I'm 48. So I, I'm into this stuff kind of later in the game and, my, you know, kids that are growing up with this, like your advice is going to be huge for as well as people who are already adults. Yeah. Because if if that's the the lens they're looking at it through, I, I mean, to me, that doesn't sound like something I want to no. look through ever. <laughs> no. And oh my God, you haven't even heard the, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I sent her a text message and she didn't, she didn't respond to me, but I know that she, I saw that she posted on social media and liked on social media. So it's just like, whoa, like it's creating these, completely unnecessary conflicts um, amongst, amongst people. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard a lot around social media. Yeah. I, I had, a, I had an incident where I was, I was with my parents in New York and I hardly ever see them. And when I'm there, I really want to cherish the time that I'm with them and something came up for someone and so upset, so upset. I was ready to get in the car to go be helpful. And then when I took a second and I asked a question, it was exactly what you said. I texted, he didn't text me back, but he commented on this girl's and I was just, I did not get in the car. I'm like, I'm not getting. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing to yourself? What are you doing to yourself? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Very, very interesting. Stuff. Um, so, um, so is there anything like considering all the cool self care ideas you just gave us for mornings and this, the social media and uh, the media, social media caveats. Is there anything that you would suggest to us maybe as a challenge to try over the next 14 days? So, so with, with things like that, like I can say, try to write or journal for 14 days if it's not something you did or like commit to eating better or commit to going to the gym if that's your thing. But like I could say things like that around like specific challenges that we, we could give to people or to, to your listeners. But I think all of those things are very generic and I don't actually think they're going to, as it relates to like mental health and self-care, they're not going to stick. So for me, I honestly think that a better angle is to kind of identify an area of your life that you're not satisfied with and like tackle that, like do some research, read some things and commit to tackling that thing for 14 days. Like, because it has to be personal, Jess, like it has to be so specific to you. It has to bother you enough that you want to motivate you want to be motivated to change it. Like if it doesn't bother you, you're not likely to change it. If there's an aspect of you that one person doesn't like or something that you're doing that you know you could be doing better in, if you're like, yeah, I'm okay with it, like that's fine. Like if you don't want to change something, that's okay. Like we would all like to be out here like killing it in every aspect of our lives. But the reality is like 
not all of us are going to like, try to be our most optimal selves every day. Like that sounds exhausting. So for some of us, like we just want to be content and satisfied and that's perfectly acceptable. So, you know, it just has to be something that is hindering your progress, something that is keeping you from getting somewhere that you really want to be. Um, because it has to cause you a level of discomfort that propels you to want to change. Um, and if it doesn't, then you won't change it. So that thing has to be so very personal. Um, I, 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 would, I would say find whatever that thing is that you've been saying you want to change, that you've been saying you want to, to, to do, um, and commit for 14 days to doing that thing. And if you don't know how to, do research, read something. Like It's out there. I assure you that you know, you're not recreating the wheel. If there's something that you want to do, someone has, has, has done it and they have been kind enough to write about it. Books, blogs, articles. So like it's out there. Excellent advice. Yeah. And if they find something, the challenge is 14 days long. So try it, commit yeah. to it. And then if you, <laughs> you can move on to maybe something else, if that uh, advice you found didn't suit you, but it sounds like the re- in the research with everything that's out there, you should be able to find something that resonates with you. That seems like a good yeah. challenge, right? Yeah. And it could, it could also be, you know, what we were just talking about earlier around like, you know, if it's, you know, if you have kids and you're running around and your days are hectic because, you know, you're giving yourself to everybody else except yourself, commit for 14 days, get up every morning for 10 minutes. And before the house, you know, while the house is still quiet and have yourself cup of coffee while it's quiet in peace or tea or a smoothie, whatever it is for you, but like commit to doing that. Um, and, and, and see if, you know, see if that, that, that works. Great. I love it. So I like to look at the dimensions of wellness as divided into eight slices. So physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, vocational, financial, and social. Can you tell us how emotional wellness affects the other dimensions? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, how you feel impacts everything. You know, if you don't feel well emotionally, it radiates in all other decisions that you make. You know, it can definitely be a domino effect. You know, in the same way that you've heard like one good decision leads to another, like say like if you consciously make, you know, a healthy lunch choice, it increases the chances that you'll do something um, else later in the day that's good for you, like either go to the gym or get to bed at the time you're supposed to. Like it works the same exact way um, it, it, when, you, when you flip it. So if you feel lousy emotionally, you're not necessarily thinking that you deserve that raise or that you're capable of tackling that project or that getting to the gym or getting, to the, getting on the mat matters. So when your mental health is off kilter, you're not making optimal decisions for yourself, period. So you're essentially just getting in your own way. Right. That makes perfect sense. And then on the flip side, what other dimensions of wellness could we focus on because of their ability to energize and boost our emotional wellness? So honestly, so the eight areas you mentioned, I think like really does capture them. They all matter a great deal. Like if, if you think, for example, that like your social life doesn't matter, like I invite you to remember that solitary confinement is a punishment and there's a reason for that. Like we need people, period. Um, so I, I, I really do like the, the areas that you, that you highlighted because I do think that they encompass everything. I think um, something that most of us overlook um, often is food. You know, like what are you throwing down your throat? Um, you think it doesn't matter um, or you think like it's no big deal, but it is. We all know the feeling of, you know, eating pasta and then feeling like you want to go to sleep for three hours. So if you start being more conscious about how you feel directly after and then at the end of the day, based on what you're consuming, you'll start noticing what does make you feel good and what doesn't. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to the Dr. Amen podcast, but it's Brain Warrior's Way. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about something so similar where most of the serotonin that in your body is made in your gut and how for women, like it's that stereotypical, oh, I, I, I need chocolate this time of the month, et cetera, but it actually, you're craving things that will help you naturally boost your serotonin because that's what's dipping. So mm-hmm. they're suggesting sweet potatoes as good carbs. So it's like to give your body what it needs, but in a healthy way and not in that way that you just reference, like you eat all the pasta because your body's craving it and it, it's craving it because it, it does need something, right? But mm-hmm. then, then you're going to crash and get that brain fog, but to pick mm-hmm. up, to know in advance, so the more you know about that con- connection, then you could say, okay, I'm going to have some 
sweet potatoes with garbanzo beans or an apple with almond butter. I think that's actually what they were suggesting as like good ways to like yeah. help your body naturally get those nutrients that then your brain needs because we all we have all probably seen PMS at its worst and what that mm. does for our mood and emotion yeah. and, and <laughs> every other aspect of our life. So yeah. I, I think that's really, really huge. It's so easy. It's still so easy for me to eat garbage when I feel tired or when I feel crappy or when I feel like there's so much going on. But I like what you said about the one good decision leads to another because I think I think that's something I want to tattoo in my brain so that mm-hmm. when I'm in that moment, I could be like, okay, one good decision, Jess. One good yeah, decision. Just one. Another just one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been, exactly. a, it's been a constant. Um, I think that's the thing that's been a constant thing for me is the, the food, um, the food, food choices, especially yeah. um, when I get something stuck in my head and, it's just there and it's like, like yeah when you're craving something i need yeah, to no. go eat that no don't eat it don't eat it and then like yeah. you know it's the i keep looping and and i know i'm working on that for myself but it's huge if you if you care about your emotional wellness that absolutely yeah that, going yeah. yeah 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 and it goes back to that what we were saying earlier about like you know we we're not compartmentalized beings like we it all works together i assure mm-hmm. you people like it all works together Another cool thing that Dr. Avid says is um, he he wants to rebrand mental health or mental illness as brain health. And Mm. that's in line with what you're saying with like saying I'm going to go to the doctor because I have the big big gash up my arm versus I'm going to my therapy appointment. Like if if we really understand that brain health is critical yeah. Um, in the way that we like physical health and, and other, I see good movements in like the wellness, um, workplace wellness, where they say for every um, intervention you do, that's a physical wellness intervention, do a mental health intervention as well. So I, I think it's a good time to have this conversation and normalize it across the board. We, we talked about normalizing it for ourselves within how we talk to our friends and family. And then even I'm hearing this in the workplace. So um, I think this is it's boding well, though there's a long way, long way to go probably. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I have several of, of, of my clients that have come to me um, and, and it's their first time in therapy. And, you know, I always ask the question, like, you know, what prompted you to, to come to therapy now, you know, not three months ago, not last year, but like right now. And more and more people are like, well, my friend mentioned that she was going to therapy or, you know, my dad mentioned that. So I'm hearing more and more of people having that dialogue. So I think you're absolutely right. Like it's happening. We have a long way to go, but it warms my heart to know like that people are, are lifting the stigma out of mental health because it's, it's, I don't know why it's, it should be so frowned upon that you can't handle everything at the same time, all the time. Like the idea that we would need help is, is not something that should ever, that should ever be it should have be looked at negatively. Like if anything, it's, it's great. You rather not get help and then crash and be in a position that is a lot worse. than if you had simply sought help, like, so it, it's happening. Um, and, and it does warm my heart when I, when I hear people come in and say, so-and-so suggested it or so-and-so give me your number or my mom suggested that I reach out to somebody or so it, it's, it's, it's happening. That's good. That sounds really key, especially with the prevalence of anxiety and depression these days. Is that something you'd like to speak to? And if so, like what populations do you see affected by anxiety and depression? So, yeah, like, so this is brutal. And I say that just because like, they're the stats, right? Like the stats that say like anxiety impacts, I think it's like 20 to 30% of adults and depression about seven to 10% of adults um, in, in the Western world. And those are just the diagnosed cases. So I see people in my practice who are dealing with very real symptoms of anxiety and depression that wouldn't rise to the level of diagnosis. However, it doesn't mean, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean they're not dealing with serious issues and it doesn't diminish the impact that the symptoms are having in their personal and professional lives. Um, but um, let me back up for a second. So anxiety specifically, right? Like it's a fear. It's an excessive uneasiness or like apprehension around something that you believe is about to happen, something that you anticipate and you fear um, and, and, and it's uncertain to you. So severe cases of anxiety can be debilitating. So that's anxiety. On the other hand, depression 
um, is a mood disorder. It's a brain disorder that affects how you feel, how you think. Um, and it obviously, as most of us know, like it involves like a loss of interest in activities and it can cause impairment, you know, in your, in your life in terms of, you know, your appetite, how you're sleeping and like how you're performing at work. So like that said, people are running around kind of like casually slapping these labels on people by saying things like, I'm depressed or he's depressed when it's much more accurate to say, you know, he's experiencing depressive symptoms. And the distinction is important because it's a serious illness. Like that said, just because you don't have a diagnosable major depressive disorder or clinical depression or generalized anxiety disorder doesn't mean you're not experiencing real symptoms of depression and anxiety um, that if go unchecked, then can definitely turn into something more serious, both mentally and physically, like we were just talking about. So this is, you know, kind of going back, like why self-care and checking with yourself is so important. Like uh, in the words of that prolific philosopher, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> I don't think he was referring to mental health. Like the, 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 the sentiment like rings true, right? Like um, there's so many of us who just have grown accustomed to like grappling with anxiety and depressing or, or, and or depressive symptoms. And we're just thinking, you know, this is just how I am. And, um, and you know, that I just got to deal with it. And it's just like, it's not true. It's, it's who you've allowed yourself to be, like we were saying earlier, because just because you don't know how to feel differently, doesn't mean that you can't feel differently. And, and because it's something that I definitely see often in my practice, people are saying, you know, they come in and, and they're there for the first time. And they were, they came in at the encouragement of a friend or the encouragement of a family member. And they just think it's who they are. They just think like, well, I've lived my whole life this way. Or, you know, it's just work or it's just this. And it's just like, no, it's, it's, it can be, and can be something um, that can be managed. Um, so, yeah. Neat. Yeah. So it sounds like some of it comes back to the rules that you were saying earlier. And, and in that vein, I've heard, so I love the term rules for this. I know some people might use the term limiting beliefs. And in the mm -hmm. business world, I heard, assumed constraints so you could be real proper <laughs> yes so and in in um in, in the you know psychological field we call them either cognitive distortions or um automatic thoughts so those are the two those are the appropriate terms so yeah i guess that's that would be what i'm referring to oh okay yeah. yeah nice nice yeah yeah i i i guess do you have a do do you kind of see a bunch over and over again, like the most, I know there's a ton of cognitive distortions, probably like a good couple dozen. Um, what, what are the ones that you think people should be on the, on the lookout for the most? Hmm. The, I mean, so people, I mean, it's, you would be surprised at how many of, if I give you a list of cognitive distortions, um, let's say of like 10 or 15 of them, you'd be surprised how you would likely check off all of them because I, as a mental health professional would check off all of them. Um, and I, I do that. I, I do that often in practice when I, when I first see someone and I explain to them like, Oh, like you, you shouldn't be alarmed that you're looking at this list and you're checking out all checking off all of these cognitive distortions because that's not a list that's tailored to you. That's a generic list that most of us are going around doing. So most of us are catastrophizing, which is essentially just predicting the future, like thinking about the future in negative terms, like thinking that, the, you know, thinking that thinking the worst as opposed to the fact that it takes just as much energy to think of the best outcome. Um, we definitely do labeling. You know, you put a fix like label that's usually negative, like, you know, I'm a loser or he's just a shitty person. Um, or we do uh, selective abstraction. That's a good one where you pay attention only to the few details um, and you don't see the whole picture or dichotomous thinking. That's a big one too. I made a mistake. So therefore I'm a failure. No, no, you made a mistake. So therefore you made a mistake. Like, let's just stop the brakes, like stop the madness. So it, it, overgeneralization is also one. Like you take isolated cases and you generalize them widely by saying things like, well, you always, or like you never, or I'm always, or what have you. So the list goes on and on. But when I tell you that at some point in time, we have all done these things. And when we look at these lists, you're like, oh, wow, I do. I have done that. Or I have said that to myself. And you start being aware of these things that you tell yourself that you have in the past believed to be fact. And you've allowed to like move into your, in, into your cognition as, as, as a permanent fixture. Yeah. That's so cool. And, and that just shows how your emotions 
affect your cognition. And this is in a predictable way that we all do because we're all human. And I can see why the negative, the negativity or the fear kind of driven things have value or had a value because they helped us preserve our lives. Right. And, but like, it's just so fascinating to me. So are these things that are in part cultural or mostly hardwired so like no matter where you go in the world i mean i swear i i was raised i'm three quarters italian born in brooklyn raised in new york and all this all this why does this always happen to me all the turning um molehills into mountains and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. me and all the like all this kind of stuff so i think i don't know from my perspective i think maybe some of it's a little cultural but i think some of it might be part of what's wired in our brains that we should just need to be on the lookout for so that we're not like you said it's just as easy to like think that the future is going to be awesome but why do our brains go to that thinking Mm -hmm. that the worst is going to happen which might have had an evolutionary value at some like to be I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of thrown out there to see like what, what your thoughts on this or what, what you Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's all rooted in like emotional self-preservation, right? Like if I expect the worst and, you know, we tell ourselves I won't be disappointed when the reality is when the worst happens, you're still disappointed. So it's like we're lulling ourselves into this false sense of security by expecting the worst, if you will, thinking that, well, if I expect the worst and the best happens, then things will just, you know, that'll be just be a bonus. And, you know, it won't hurt as much or it won't be dis- as disappointing when it's just like, no, it feels the same. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> um, so yeah, honestly, it's rooted in just emotional self-preservation. You know, if I, if I tell myself I can't do it um, and then I fail, then I, you know what, oh, I couldn't do it and I knew it and I shouldn't have tried. Um, so that's, that's what it, that's the base of it. Um, and, it, and so much of the work that we do in therapy is rooted in kind of checking checking what you're telling yourself because all of us are doing it, but it's happening so fast just that most of us just aren't aware of it. And when you ask somebody to slow down and when I give somebody an assignment to actually identify these things and I tell them to go home and I tell them to write these things down, they come back and they're like, Whoa, I -hmm. didn't know that this, I'm like, yeah, because it happens so fast. And again, me as a mental health professional, if I'm, I have to check myself because your mind just goes there you know, something happens or you're having a shitty day and your mind just goes to a bad place. It just, it does. You just start, the negative self-talk is real. Um, But the way to combat that is check it and put it in its place every single time. And it's still something that I do. When I'm having a bad day, I still catch myself, you know, telling myself things. I'm just like, oh, nope, that's actually not true. You're just, you're making, you're making stuff up. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So that, yeah, that sounds great. I think you're check yourself before you write yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we, we all have this going on even mental health professionals so yeah. how do we have each other's backs like we we could do this we want to check ourselves but knowing that it's not unique to us that this is going on how do we support the people in our lives sure sure so like what I mentioned earlier for sure like talk about it if you're going to therapy um, and it's working for you, discuss it. Open, discuss how happy therapy is, is, is going, or how, rather how good therapy is going for you, how it's helping you. Encourage your friends to find a therapist if you're realizing that they're getting on the phone with you and talking about the same thing over and over again and there's no resolution. Like, mention to them, like, you know what? I was dealing with something XYZ. And since, you know, seeing my therapist, I've actually been able to get to XYZ place. So, you know, as a friend or family member, unfortunately, like you can't help another person with anxiety or depression. Like they have to want to change it. You know, they're the ones that have to do the work. So they have to want to do the work. You know, um, again, like they have, like we were saying earlier, like it has to be something that makes somebody uncomfortable enough to want to implement change. And the best thing you can do um, as a friend or family member um, is to talk about how therapy has helped you in the past or how it's helping you now or how therapy really helped so-and-so um, that has been seeing a therapist and, and things like that. Um, but I do, I do get people that reach out to me saying like, you know, I have my friend and I want to set up an appointment for them. And I'm just like, that, I, unfortunately, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> not, only, not only, you know, for, for legal and, 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 and HIPAA reasons, but also because I can... I can take you to the gym every single day for a month. If you don't want to work out, you're just going to hang out at the gym until I come back and pick you up again at the end of the day. Like nothing's going to make you do it unless you want to do it. So the, the, the person does 
have to want to um, have a motivation to to change something that they're feeling um, is kind of like I said, getting in their way or impairing um, their progress or keeping them from getting to to a place where they want to to get to. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds like good advice. One of the things that you said earlier um, when I asked this question about you're on the phone and they're saying the same thing over and over and over again. What's the line between? I don't want to say condoning that behavior, but like where, where do you stop those conversations? If you know you're, you're not helping them, they're not necessarily, even if they're asking for advice, listening to you, is there are any tips to like steer that right? So that you're not just getting on the phone, listening to this over and over again, but you can actually help move the needle in some way. Does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it, it sounds like, I mean, you're essentially asking, like, you know, if you're, if you're the other person on the other end listening to this, like, how do you politely, you know, essentially tell this person that they should seek help? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I found and this might not be very nice of me, but if, if someone was asking me advice and I just listened to maybe, you know, a really long conversation was, and I give them the advice, and then they don't take it, then and this is past Jessica, I might be a little nicer now. I, I would just like not, talk to them like in that context anymore because it's right. like and 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 I do know now that I'm more mature that some people say well I just want to vent so it's exactly. and my daughter's so wise because she's she'll ask are you just looking for someone to vent to or are you actually looking for advice so I love that she's she's smart enough to do that because then it was like no I just want to let it out and vent okay we could be there for each other in that way um but yeah, but versus people who don't even know what, what they're doing to their friends by just dumping and dumping, asking advice, but then never taking it. And then how do you move that relationship as a friend so that you could actually help that other person and have a healthy friendship rather than waste your life yeah. on a phone call? Yeah. Wait, how old is your daughter? Oh, she's 23. She's, uh, you, you wouldn't even just, believe No, it. listen, I am in awe of the young people that, um, that seek out therapy um, because there are a lot of young people there. I, I, I am seeing, I'm just like, I was not that evolved and self-aware. And when I was in my early twenties and so many of these young adults are, and I, I, you know, not to get off topic, but like, I am confident in, you know, the future because of the way that, you know, the, the, the level of, of, um, progress and maturity. And, and I think that has to do, I think that's the upside of social media where you do have access to so much information. So that's made our young people a lot more mature, a lot more aware of issues and of, of things that I don't think we were, and I wasn't aware of when I was, you know, their age. So, um, that would be the, the upside to social media, I would say, but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So I I think um, to the initial question of, do you just ask like my smart daughter does to say, am I, are you venting here or do you actually want my advice or something like that? So you kind of call them out. You're saying, yeah. Like in terms of being a, as a friend. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, she is obviously wise, wise beyond her years. I don't see why not. Um, and there it's, it's twofold, right? So you can absolutely ask that question. Um, or you can, to your point, like if, if you're seeing that it's happening over and over again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, you know, you know, Jess, you know, I, I've been seeing, you know, someone and it's really helped me. I wonder if that's something that like you've ever considered. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that statement. Um, and they may be like, well, what do you mean? And, you know, you could share your experience and say, well, you know, I, you know, remember last year when that thing happened with me and, um, you know, I, I found it really helpful um, to when I, you know, sat with somebody and was able to get through it and look at it more, more, much more productively. I'm just wondering if that's, I'm just thinking as you're talking, it, it seems like, you know, you feel similarly to how I felt. So I wonder if it's something that would work for you as well. Yeah. And you're right. We have one of my friends I was talking to recently who had, um, gone to a therapist with her boyfriend. They ended up breaking up in one of the sessions in the office, but it was like, a good breakup. Um, and, and she was always saying, I wish I could afford to go there with my new boyfriend, right? Like, cause, uh, just that value of having a therapist to bounce the scenarios off of and help dissect. So I, I know I, I'm the one digressing now, but we've been focusing on like, if you have this, if you have that, you should, you know, maybe throughout the idea to see a therapist, but there's the value to it 
even if you're not seeing those signs, right? Um, So that if you look at the cognitive distortions, you don't have to wait. They could, it could help people. Or if you go into a therapist and, and kind of have conversations to uncover some of those rules or um, maybe ways that self-care could be improved and you don't have to fit in other words, you don't have to wait till you hit rock bottom to go to the therapist, right? Yeah, really, I would love for us to, you know, as a society to get to a place where that's not when we go to therapy. You know, we don't go to a medical doctor for the first time when, you know, there's a bone sticking out of our leg. We go, you know, hopefully a couple times a year for check-ins. And so therapy in my mind is the same. It's it's the same. It's the same as going to the gym. Like you don't wait until you're 60 and then decide, you know what, I'm going to start eating better now and start exercising. Like, no, you do that throughout your lifespan. So I I look at therapy in the same way um, that it's something um, that is ongoing. um, And and it's something that you should have um, access to. It doesn't mean that you are with your therapist, you know, every week for 20 years, but it does mean that maybe you see your therapist for a couple of years at first, and then, you know, your termination happens, and then something happens four years down the line, and you reach out to the same person, um, because you have that person there who knows your history, who has your your back in, in, in that sense. So, um, yeah, I wish, I, I my hope is that we get to the point where, um, where, where mental health and, and therapy is something that is automatic, the way that, you know, so we, we do so many other things um, for our overall health and preventative care. So yeah, hopefully we're not, you know, people do, we get to the place where we're not feeling like, oh, well, we have to hit rock bottom in order to go see somebody. So it's like, no, 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 no. That's the equivalent of, I'm going to start working out and eating right at age 60. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we, we go to the dentist regularly for the checkups and hygiene and we go for our annuals and women go for their special annuals and, and our cars even get tuned ups and checkups. So I think what I'm hearing is too, it needs to maybe be a societal change or the way that our insurance works too. So that in the way that I could go get my blood checked every year or men get their however they get their prostate or, or that kind of thing where, or the way, the way, the way that we get some, some insurance companies give you a credit for having a gym membership. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Like, because they're, 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 they're um, rewarding you for doing preventative care by going to the gym. I'm like, mental health is exactly the same thing. It's preventative care. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it, you may be seeking it out when you're going through a tough time, but that by no stretch of the imagination is the only uh, time that you should be seeking out therapy. Right. Yeah. And I, I see some good movements like the American College of Lifestyle Medicine where they are looking and getting doctors certified as with their, their credential so that doctors could prescribe exercise and meditation and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of really good things that I can't even speak to for emotional wellness. Mm-hmm. But it would be good if we hit this at all all angles, right? Yeah. 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 No, I think I think that would be something that would be that would be huge. Um, great. Um, so what are some of your favorite resources that we could check out? For what? Um I guess like the self-care in general, any sure, of the cognitive sure. CBT stuff, the so cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, sure. So like, so honestly, like it's going to sound like I'm super self-absorbed, but it's true. <laughs> like I go, I use my own IG page and my newsletter. So like on IG, like those quotes that you talked about at the beginning that I put out, like those are for me as well. Like they're reminders to me, for me to like stay steady and to be mindful, um, to think through things. And I have absolutely gone back to my own IG page and to remind myself of self-care tips, um, not just those quotes, but like I put up self-care tips on that. So when I'm having a crappy day, I legit go to my Instagram and I'm like, right, there's that, you know, there was that, you know, kind of funny thing about self-care that I put up and let me just remind myself about it. Um, And similarly with the newsletter that I put out, you know, there are articles in there that I look back on. So like I reread the ones that are pertinent to something I'm dealing with, you know, in the moment. So like through those two outlets, I have just inadvertently kind of curated things for myself that I find useful. Um, and then I do go back and reach for. So, you know, that honestly, like the, for me in terms of like when I need to reach for something um, or to be reminded of something, 
um, I go back to those to those two things because it's just creating an archive of of, of articles and of reminders that uh, that are that are helpful for me, especially when you know the days aren't going aren't going so hot, and when I need to be reminded that things need to be put in perspective. I could totally vouch for your Instagram because it's. <laughs> I feel like I should shut all mine down. <laughs> it's so good, and that's oh, what that's... made you stand out in my feed. And thank you so much for agreeing to some weirdo hits you up over DM me like, hey, no, no, that's very sweet. No, thank you. Yeah, no, and, and that's it's because you basically did all the work for us. So I actually like that better when you say like, oh, this kind of seems uh, like self-serving or, or wherever you said it, but um, it's, it's good because you did all the work for us and we could just go peek at your Instagram. So that, well, um, I know that that one is at Jen Polite. So at symbol J-E-N-P-O-L-I-T-E. And then the newsletter, how do we sign up for that? Sure. Um, so th- it's actually through that same IG account, like okay. right, in the, right in the bio, there's a link that you can subscribe. It's called Balance and Intent. And it's a biweekly newsletter that basically just focuses on like practical personal growth and self-care. Like I'm curating articles um, and, and I'm sending them to you on a biweekly basis on Sunday morning um, so that, you know, so that you can kind of see what's happening out there, get some tips as to around self-care, maybe learn about, you know, uh, something that somebody may be experiencing. So it, it really just focuses on practical, you know, personal growth and self-care. Great. So that, that sounds perfect. I have to subscribe to that myself and I look forward to, to reading what you're curating. And are there any other places we should look you up? Um, no, honestly, um, I, you know, was a hermit for the past few years. I literally just joined the world of social media last summer. So, um, I'm very pleased to hear from people like you who are telling me that, you know, what I'm putting out is, is helpful, um, because that's the point. Um, so that, that really does warm my heart. And like I said, because I basically lived in Iraq and just joined social media, um, IG is the main the main outlet where I, where I put things, I do have a Facebook and a Twitter. I couldn't tell you what's happening on either of those platforms. Um, so IG um, is, is really the, the easiest way to, to, to get to me. And my email is, is there as well. And you know, where you, how you can subscribe to the newsletter is there as well. Great. I love that. Um, so I highly recommend to everyone to, to follow her and I'm, I'll put show notes up at betterandbetterer.com where I'll, I'll actually have the links and some of my favorite little quotes from today because, um, Jen, you've been fabulous and there's so much to think about and, and you put it in such an easy way to relate to that I um, definitely inspired myself hearing a lot of this. And um, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And honestly, I, I appreciate you reaching out and, and this was fun. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Show notes are online at betterandbetterer.com. Find a buddy to try out this episode's challenge. We want to hear how it goes. So hit us up on Instagram at betterandbetterer. 